Well, good morning and welcome to CCC. Uh, my name is Greg Gertis, and it's my pleasure to be up here today as we celebrate Mother's Day. Lifeway Research, a Christian research center, asked a thousand Protestant pastors what the three highest attendance Sundays were throughout the year. We can all guess that Easter was number one, followed by Christmas, number two, and at number three was Mother's Day. So it appears that the order of importance when it comes to church attendance is Christ conquers death, Christ comes, the, the coming of our Lord, and third, moms. I think we all can agree to that. Now, for those who are interested, uh, just an FYI, Father's Day landed uh, really low on the list, so shame on all you men. Yeah, we all want to play golf, right? Okay. So with that said, can we just recognize our mothers for a minute? Can all the mothers please stand up for a second? Thank you. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers here and to all your mothers who are around the world. Um, We want to thank you all. You deserve more than just one day a year, of course. Uh, Thank you for the miracle of birth. We wouldn't be here without you. Thank you for the sacrifices you made. And yes, over time, we do finally realize there has been a lot of sacrifice. Thank you for the comfort you provide in troubled times. Uh, Some of us need it more than others. And thank you for the example that you give us of God's love. So with that, can can we just open in prayer and thank our mothers? Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for Mother's Day. Thank you for the people gathered here. Be with those who are not here, wherever they may be around the world, in sickness or in health, and let them be filled by the comfort of your Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for the opportunity for us to share this time together in community, jointly worshiping you and celebrating the wonderful gift of motherhood. Thank you for each one of them, and as we ask for your special blessing on them today, thank you for the music that roused our hearts. May your spirit continue to rouse our hearts now. And Lord, may your words be spoken today. And may you open our hearts to your teaching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Mother's Day. Celebrating Mother's Day is actually seen throughout history in many different cultures, going all the way back to the Greek and Roman days. But probably never to the global scale it is today. In fact, Mother's Day, as many of us celebrate though, is really not that old of a holiday. It's only about 100 years old. According to Deseret News, the modern holiday of Mother's Day which many of us celebrate today, was celebrated first in 1908 when Anna Jarvis held a memorial for her mother in Grafton, West Virginia. Her campaign to make Mother's Day a recognized holiday in the United States had begun in 1905, the year her beloved mother, Ann Revis, had died. Anna's mission was to, to honor her mother and to set aside a day to honor mothers, referencing them as the person who has done more for you than anyone in the world. I think we can all agree to that. And due to her campaign efforts, Anna Jarvis, um, her efforts, it was officially recognized in 1914 by President Woodrow Wilson and signed into proclamation uh, as Mother's Day, the second Sunday in May, and as a national honor honor, opportunity to honor our mothers. Even the spelling of Mother's Day is important. We have the plural possessive of mothers, comma, day, or apostrophe day, mothers, no no apostrophe day, and mother, apostrophe s day. 
So the plural possessive for our English you know, masters out there, plural non-possessive, singular possessive. I bet you guys didn't expect a grammar lesson today from me, right? <laughs> okay, well, to Anna Jarvis, she wanted each family to honor their own mothers. And so she demanded that singular, that last one, that singular possessive. And that's actually the one that's used um, by, in the presidential proclamations and by U.S. Congress when they, um, for anything concerning Mother's Day. So now what many people don't realize is that Anna, although Anna Jarvis was successful in founding the Mother's Day, she soon resented it because of the commercialization. Jarvis became so embittered by what she saw as misrepresentation and exploitation that she protested and even tried to rescind Mother's Day. The holiday she worked so hard for, then she, she actually, she wanted people to appreciate and honor their mothers by writing personal letters, by expressing their personal love and gratitude, rather than buying gifts and pre-made cards. So what type of commercialism are we talking about? Well, according to CNN.com, in 2015, the National Retail Federation estimates that U.S. consumers, this is U.S. only, consumers will spend $21.2 billion, that's with a B, dollars celebrating Mother's Day. And so now today, thanks to the heart and the tenacity of Anna Jarvis and good old-fashioned American commercialism, nearly every country in the world celebrates Mother's Day. And in fact, today, about 85 countries worldwide are celebrating on this particular weekend. That includes Canada, UK, Germany, Brazil, Netherlands, all of you here. And in fact, after the Chinese economic reform of 1979, even China has begun to embrace this holiday. You can't, even communism can't push away celebrating our mothers, right? So, in the Bible, we, rec- you know, we see a lot of mothers, and mothers are recognized. But today's message is not about how you're supposed to be a better mom. And it's not about how you should be like one of the ladies in the Bible. Actually, I do not consider myself qualified to give this type of a talk. And, um, in fact, I think you guys have one of the most challenging jobs in the world to begin with, and you do it better than anyone. But what I want to talk about today is mothers from the perspective of a child, a position I can relate to and I think just about everybody here can relate to. And I hope that through the example of mothers, we can learn more about our Heavenly Father and abiding in Him. See, the Bible refers to God as our Father. But both man and woman were made in God's image. And God often uses women's qualities to explain his love for us. No greater compliment can be given, can be paid to motherhood than by God himself. When he compares his great love for us with the tender, compassionate love of a godly mother toward her children. In preparing for this message, I looked at how God allows us to see him via motherhood. And I realize that we actually can see all three parts of the Trinity via motherhood. We can see the unconditional creative love of God. We can see the sacrificial love of Christ. And we can see the comforting love of the Holy Spirit. So let's start with our provider. Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God has chosen mothers to be the means by which we, in fact, all life, enters the world. By means of a mother, we are given life. 
God even used this method for Christ to enter the world. Christ might have left earth on a cloud, on a heavenly cloud, but he came to this world by means of a mother. And it is through our mothers that we sustain, we are sustained for many months and years. She is our sole provider. The other day at work, a colleague of mine had taken a baby in, and a male colleague of mine kind of got tricked into taking care of this child for a little bit while she was handling some other issues. This baby was maybe three months old, and it couldn't do anything. It, could, it was completely helpless. It couldn't walk. It couldn't talk. It couldn't feed itself or do anything. It could only do three things, like all babies can do, like that one. It can eat, consume food and time. It can make a mess, of course, dirty diapers, spitting up, etc. And it can let you know it's unhappy. It can complain about its situation by crying. Now, nearly all relationships follow a two-way street methodology. Each side has a give and take. And mothers and children have that same give and take relationship. The mother gives and gives and gives. And the child takes. And continues to take as the years go on. But even in this situation, the mother loves the child, adores the child. And even though it provides no apparent value for the mother, it can consume, make a mess, and cry. But yet she still loves this child. I brought you into this world. You are mine. I have committed myself for you now and always. What about the second area, sacrifice? You know, there's a, there's a business fable that refers to the story of the chicken and the pig. Some of you may have heard of it. A chicken and pig decide to open a breakfast establishment, and the chicken will provide eggs and the pig bacon. Even though both are needed to make the dish, there are different levels of commitment here in this, uh, this business opportunity. The chicken is involved... Making eggs does require involvement, but the pig is committed and the pig must sacrifice. Now, fathers, we like the chicken roll, right? We like to be involved. We we want to be involved in the family and the raising of the children. But mothers definitely have the pig role and are committed to this situation. And just for the record, ladies, I'm not calling any of you pigs today. This is just an analogy of sacrifice, all right? Mothers sacrifice their bodies, stretching areas that weren't meant to be stretched, months of discomfort, weight gain, engorging when they, where they don't want to be engorged, and when all is said and done, things don't always return back to the way they once were. That's sacrifice. Guys, we all know that if we had to go through this process, the population of the world would decline and human life would cease to exist as we know it. Next, mothers sacrifice their attire. We all know that a child is going to throw up. It's going to wipe his nose, rub his dirty hands on anything and everything you wear. It can be difficult to wear your favorite outfits daily. This is sacrifice. Then there's the sacrifice of career. As many mothers take years off from their chosen career fields after years of study and hard work to raise their children. And when they return to the workforce, they're told, oh, you don't have any usable skills, which is ridiculous if you've ever watched a mom manage a home. In fact, the Department of Labor estimates that the, the average salary a stay-at-home mom should get is about $60,000 for all the work that she does. Now, how about sacrifice of adult conversation? 
I'm not saying us husbands are the greatest conversationalist, but at, a stay-at-home mom is stuck with having to speak baby talk for years every day. That's sacrifice. And finally, with respect to sacrifice, the child recognizes none of this. It is expected. It's mom. And what is worse, not only is expected, but when things go wrong, not the way the child wants, what is the response? You don't love me. Now, that's sacrifice. Finally, let's look at the third part. What about as a comforter? John 14, 25 through 26. These things I have spoken to you while abiding in you. But the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And Isaiah sixty six thirteen, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. No one comforts like a mom. Whether a child is hungry, hurt, sad, or afraid, a child calls out one thing, mom. And when a child skins, or prick, skins a knee or picks a finger, a father's reaction is, not always, is quite different than a mom's. Dad says, what are you crying about? I don't see anything wrong. You, rub some dirt on it. You'll be okay, all right? But a mother com- provides comfort. She realizes that the pain is often in the heart as much as it is the skin knee. And a hug and a tender voice are often the cure. So I think we can all agree moms are pretty awesome. Their love is unconditional like the Father's, sacrificial like the Son, and comforting like the Holy Spirit. So let's move to the text that we, that we read earlier of Isaiah 49, 13 through 16, and see how Isaiah talks about it. Shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Israel right here is in a time of need much like a child who is hungry, hurt, sad, and afraid. And they're saying, rejoice, for mom is coming. She comforts and has compassion. Israel knows this. God has a history of comforting and and compassion. He brought them out of Egypt. He protected them in the desert. He gave them manna daily. He brought them into the land he promised years before and formed them into a nation. But in verse 14... Zion, Israel, responds by saying, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Israel, much like a child, is saying, You don't love me. Life is hard and it's not going my way right now. Don't you care about me? Don't you see I'm hurting? You must not love me. Have any of you felt like Israel at this point? Remember they're in captivity, taken from the land God gave them. The temple's destroyed. Have you ever felt this way? God, don't you see my situation? Don't you see, don't you hear my cries for help? I know that you are capable of anything, but right now, you aren't taking care of my needs. Therefore, you don't love me. In the next verse, God responds. And this is where we are glad he has motherly instincts. Since dad's response would probably be different. If dad heard, you don't love me, it would be like, come here, I'll show you who loves you. But instead, he uses his motherly compassion and says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? When my wife and I's children were young, 
And she would nurse them. I would watch them together, and she would hold that child close to her body. And she'd look down at them, and they would look up at, up at her. And there was this connection that was just, it was magical. It's hard to explain. There was the physical connection, the cradling in her arms, the sound of her heartbeat and breathing, the nourishment of her milk. Sometimes she would talk to them or sometimes just look at them. There was an emotional connection as well. And the child would stare up at her and sometimes you would hear that child exhale and completely relax to the point of even falling asleep in her arms while nursing. They say this connection between a mother and a child is greater than any connection. And this is how God explains his love for you. But see, the thing is, is the passage is not over. But then God says, though she may forget. And you say, what? How can a mother forget a child? And actually, they can. We live in a sinful world. There are bad mothers. There are mothers who don't want their children and that have abandoned their children and who are not sacrificial and neglect their children. But even those of you who had really good mothers, even great mothers, they can get caught up in their own lives sometimes. They can get sick. They can get tired. And yes, mothers do die. Remember what Rick said last week. None of us get, are getting out of here alive. So our mothers do pass on. But God doesn't leave us there by saying, you know what, mothers will forget. He says, I will never forget. And words are important for God to say that. He's saying, I'm never going to forget you. But that's, isn't that something easy to do? I won't ever forget you. You know, isn't that a line we hear in the movies? The hero says that. I won't forget you. But we're blessed because we have a God of action, not just words. And he doesn't leave us with just these words. So how does he not forget us? We look at verse 16. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. So what does this mean? I engraved you on the palms of my hand. Well, God has a permanent ink marker, and he wrote out your names in this beautiful cursive. You're both your English and your Chinese name. And it says, it has your name there. No, that's not it. And he didn't tattoo it on your, his hands either. See, actually, the, the word is carved, and in the Hebrew, that means with a hammer and a chisel. So God carved your name into his hand. And take a minute to remember that Isaiah is written 700 years before coming, the coming of the Messiah. And here, Israel and us are given an account of what of how he will never forget us. John 20, 24 through 28. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Through, through the door, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said, My Lord and my God. See, Thomas often gets the bad rap here, but what about you and me? Lord, I don't see what you've done for me right now. I don't see your love in this moment of my life. Lord, you have forsaken me. And God says, my precious child, although this may be invisible to you, 
Put your finger here. See my hands. I've engraved you here forever, and I, fors- and I was forsaken on the cross when I cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And understand this, because I was forsaken, you never have to be. You don't ever have to feel forsaken and unloved again, no matter what your circumstance is. Look past your current problem and realize it is nothing compared to the sacrifice that I have made for you forever. John 19.30, it is finished. Christ is victorious. And God also says in verse 16, your walls are ever before me. So what is he saying by this? Child, I know everything about you. I know the good, the bad, the ugly, and we have plenty of those. All you are good for is eating, making a mess, and crying. Nothing is hidden from my eyes. You provide no value to me. But I love you anyways. I can't help but love you. It's my nature to love you. God is telling us that as amazing as a mother's love is for her child, a mother's love is unconditional, a mother's love is sacrificial and comforting. But it's limited, and he says, my love isn't. Psalm 2710, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will, will receive me. So what does this mean to us? I actually like the way that Tim Keller puts it. And so let me quote him directly on this, because this is the real important part. If you knew that a love of this magnitude by a person of this magnitude, was really, really yours. If the reality of this kind of love was an abiding reality to your heart, moment by moment, existentially, consciously, what kind of person would you be? The answer would be way different than the one sitting or standing here right now. At the very least, there would be a fountain of joy at the foundation of our lives that no circumstance and no tragedy could put a cork in. God promised, I will never desert you. I will never forsake you in Hebrews 13, 5. I am with you always to the end of the age, Matthew 28, 20. No matter what your circumstance, he's made the ultimate sacrifice. And in closing on this message, in the spirit of Anna Jarvis, I want to tell you actually, because Mother's Day, singular possessive, I'm going to tell you about my mom. And now that I'm in my 40s, thank you, uh, I know my wife looks way too young for me to be in my 40s, and she appreciates hearing that. Um, I am able to see more of the wonderful ways my mom taught me about God's love for me. But knowing that I sometimes get things wrong, I also reached out to my siblings for their input on this as well. And so these are just three lessons, even though there's many lessons she taught us. Here's three that I would like to pass on to you. The first one is, no means no, but it really means I love you. I heard no a lot. I heard no a lot from my mom. No, you can't go there. No, you can't do this. No, you can't go watch that. No, you can't hang out with those people. All right? But it wasn't until I got older that I realized actually how difficult that word is to say as a parent. She knew I didn't understand and that... I didn't understand uh, or realize that she had my best interest in mind. But she loved me. God has your best interest in mind as well when he says no. 
he's engraved you on the palm of his hands, and he sacrificed his only son for you. Number two, you will always be my child. No matter what I did wrong, and there was plenty of it growing up, even today, nothing can separate my love for you. My mom wasn't always happy with the things that she, what I did, but she still loved me no matter what. God says this as well. No matter what you do wrong, I will always love you. He takes the good, the bad, the ugly, the eating, the consuming, the mess making, and the crying, and he still calls us his precious child. And third, everyone needs love. My mom had a great way of reaching out to those in need, even when it was uncomfortable to her or her family. She saw the best in people, and she reached out to them when others wouldn't. God wants us to do the same. God wants to use us in this manner, as well as to reach out to those that he sees, and for us to see them the way he sees them, even when it's uncomfortable. So I want you to just take a moment now. And to picture the perfect image of, your, of a mother. It might be your own mother. It might be a different mother. And think about that. And now, and know that God loves you infinitely more. He knows your situation, your personal situation, and he's actually using it to build you. Or maybe someone else. He knows everything about you, and yet he still loves you unconditionally. Sacrificially and comforting. And nothing can separate you from his love. And finally, he wants you to share that love with those around you. So be a mother to the motherless. Shall we pray? Thank you, Father. Thank you for the passage in Isaiah and for this astonishing demonstration of your saving grace. Lord, sometimes we don't understand what you are doing in our lives. Sometimes we feel rejected, sometimes we feel inadequate, and sometimes we feel forsaken. Lord, the gospel doesn't always make sense to us. Please work in our hearts to know that your love is infinitely greater than even a mother's love for her child. You were forsaken so that we never have to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Once again, happy Mother's Day.